Hey, we back with another episode of Defying Legacy, y'all. What's up? Steve Elijah. I'm your host for Defying Legacy. And today we have Miss Asia Evans on the show. How are we doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It was good to see you. Thank you for, for, for being here. Mm-hmm, of course. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm looking forward um to 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 the show. Uh for those that may not know, me and Asia met um at UConn. So as I always say, you know, bleed blue, go huskies, always. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for that, but, but yeah, uh, for those that may not know, um, you might introduce introducing yourself and, and kind of letting everyone know what it is that you do. Yeah. Um, so my name's Asia. I am, I work full-time in finance, um, in like TV finance to be exact. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm also a homeowner. And more recently, I'm like a staff writer on grown magazine um, which is a black woman owned um, kind of like blog site it's pretty cool okay so let's let's tap into the first part then of this is, is the finance finance side um, how important would you say finances are to you how much do you value finances uh, finances are super super important to me um, <clears throat> I guess like my job side of things is more so like an applied finance um, pertaining to like a direct industry. But I guess you, you're talking more so about like personal finance, I think is super important, um, which is kind of like why I bought a home when I did. Uh, yeah. And so on the home ownership side, was this like a, a rental property or mm-hmm. was this like a, a, a property that like, you know, you were currently living it. Yeah, so it's both. So I'm doing what you call um, like a house hack where basically, so I bought a duplex when I was like 23, I think. Um, and I rent the other side of my duplex and I live in one side. So the rental income that I collect pretty much covers my mortgage um, for me. Okay, that's dope. And so, so what made you decide to get a rental property at the age of 23? Um, I had remembered taking a real estate class at UConn. Wow. <laughs> I would say my senior year, maybe. Um, and then, oh, you know what? Actually, so I was a part of the National Association of Black Accountants. Um, and we, there, there was like this Be Bold panel where like these Black people came to talk about their success. And there was a guy on there who talked about how like he was, when he was in college, um, he was a D1 athlete, but when he graduated, he really didn't have anything because he was like football was his entire focus during college. He was like living out of his car. He was homeless. And then he talked about how he like really took a turn and like real estate just changed the game for him. Um, and he talked about how like he not only does real estate for the income, but he does it to kind of like um, serve the underserved communities, which are typically like black people, people of color. Um, And he talked about how he has like low income housing and things like that. And he made sure that his tenants were good. Um, And I went to talk to him after that presentation. um, And he was like, you know, read what what's that big book? I read it. Oh, goodness. I hope it's not the one that Uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yes. (laughs) He was like, I was like, so could you like tell me about how you do things? And he was like, I'm not going to tell you anything until you read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. And 
you explore bigger pockets and um i started like listening to bigger pockets and that was like my weekly thing on the train when i was commuting to new york um and i don't know it was just like a wealth of knowledge and it was just like why wouldn't i so um, did, did you have any experience in that field before that like that was the one moment where it kind of sparked an interest for you yeah no i didn't really have any experience i took that one real estate class i think my senior year because i needed to take one more class in finance mm. um that worked out for me but yeah that was that was it i didn't really have any experience i don't have anyone in my like my parents tell me all the time they wish they bought a home when they were younger because i think they bought their first home like in their 30s so mm. they're like you know we're going to be older paying off our home which is why we're glad that you did it when you were young so, so let, let, let me let me do a little math here. All right. You said this is the senior year of college, right? When you right. Mm -hmm. And you got your first property around the age of 23. Right. Mm -hmm. So what was how how long in between between that moment you were like, you know, what, hmm, this seems like some I might be interested in. And you actually closing the deal. What did uh, you say? So I was probably like 21 at that point when I okay. took so it was probably like a two year difference hmm. between that happening and me actually um, buying the house. My housing search took a really long time though. So um, what, what, what made it take so long? Um, finding the right team hmm. and also finding the right house. So in terms of finding the right team, um, you know, you're going to need a real estate agent. You're going to need a lawyer, a lender. I had a really good lender, which, Shout out to um, Justin, who you already had on your podcast. He recommended his um, lender and she was amazing. Um, but finding an agent was was pretty tough. I actually, you know, I lost out on a lot of money uh, with the wrong agent the first time around, hmm. which is like a, a crazy, crazy thing to think about. I wanted to do a short sale and she totally talked me out of it. And she was like, it's not gonna happen. It's gonna take too long. Um, and I was like a newbie. So I didn't know that real estate agents don't like short sales because they take so long. And basically it just takes them a very long time to get their commission. So she talked me out of it. I was like, okay, well, we'll keep moving on. And someone got the house and it, it wasn't really like a flip, but because it was the short sale, all I'll say is somebody bought the house for like 390 mm -hmm. and they sold 650 in six months. Wow. So mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so, well, it sounds like that. The good thing is, though, is that correct me if I'm wrong, but that you learned a valuable lesson in that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, but but did not having a mentor, mm -hmm. right? Why didn't that stop you from continuing to go into real estate? Um. I don't know. I feel like. And I, and I ask that because mm -hmm. I can only like a lot of, you know, people suggest the idea of investing in real estate, which, you know, it, it sounds good and everything like that. But most people need someone who's like right next to them that's done it before. Right. Yeah. And so when we talk about real estate, we talk about properties. That's that's something that, you know, if you mess up on, mm -hmm. you could probably lose a lot of money. But if you're saying, you know, in the early stages, Mm -hmm. um, of your investing journey that you didn't really have a mentor. I'm mm -hmm. just curious as to know um, what led you to, you know, kind of continue and push through to that. That's all. Yeah, I could just, I don't know. I kind of looked at the end goal 
Mm. Uh, I knew that it was going to be worth it. I had just listened to like hundreds of podcasts and read so many books and just like, I knew it was going to work and I knew it was going to be worth it no matter like what it took. Um, and I will say that once <clears throat> I met my lender, I was definitely a lot more comfortable about me being able to complete the process. Um, mm. Yeah. But. So let, let, me, let me be honest with you though. The first time meeting uh, a member of your team, if you will, however that conversation with, went, mm-hmm. did you, you know, did you feel like, let me, let me word this in the right way. Mm-hmm. Did you ever feel like, man, I, I hope I know exactly my, what my numbers are in terms mm-hmm. of like what exactly I'm talking about. Cause like I said, even though, you know what I'm saying? You want to build your right team as, as, as you know, as you've said before, there are mm-hmm. some shysty people out there. Yeah. So were you ever hesitant on like, all right, let me make sure I don't say the wrong thing mm-hmm. or make sure I, I know what this person is talking about. That way we can work together. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so you mean kind of like coming off as I like know what I'm talking about. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, Cause I mean, you, you're young, you know what I'm saying? You're young, 22, 23 people could have t- absolutely taken advantage of that, you know? No, exactly. Um, yeah, I definitely felt that way sometimes, but I, in the humblest way possible, the with the money that I was making at the age of 22, it was just kind of like everything spoke for itself. It was like, you can do this. Uh, it wasn't, I don't know. I guess with the agents, I ran across that. Um, Cause she was like, you're a young single female and you're going to get outbid by like sharks and real real estate investors. So I did run into that, but I don't know, just kind of having the confidence that I had, I wasn't, like I said, I knew that it was going to get done regardless of who it had to get done with. Like either you're going to get this commission or somebody else is going to get it, but it's happening. That's, 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 that's very real. That's a real, real way to look at it. Um, and so when building your team, um, what were kind of your initial steps um, towards towards doing that? Was it just um, word of mouth? Um, I know you said Justin kind of helped you out um, with one of them, but was it just like, all right, you did your research? Um, did you hear like them on a podcast or, or how did you come about figuring out or finding the right people? Yeah, so um, the lender I was referred to, um, my lawyer I was actually also re- referred to um, by my mom because she had bought in a house at that point um purchased the house the real estate agents I kind of you kind of have to like interview them and um I had knowledge of that just kind of from doing my research and listening to podcasts people talked about like setting up like real interviews with agents I didn't do like the real like let's sit down let me ask you questions about yourself but I think um kind of talking with once I could weed out like the first one or two um, it was just kind of like a vibe check from then on. Yeah. We go to see a house together and I could tell if this was the agent for me. And I ended up finding a really, really good agent, which I always use now. And, and that's, you know, what I feel like, you know, it's probably the good thing is, right? It's like once you find a good person in your team, you know, you can kind of keep them around. It's not like you have to do the, you know, the research over and over again. Um, but walk me through the idea of uh, you finding the exact house. Like, what was it? that made you, I guess, fall in love with it. And, I, and I'm gonna say that because at the end of the day, you know, your name's on you know, the paperwork, it was your money, you gotta put down all that. So what yeah. made you say, you know what, this is the one? Yeah, um, so whew, I actually didn't even want this house at first. 
I saw it and I kept looking and I was like, no, I want at least the three family and I need something that's bigger. I want to just bring in more money than X amount a month. Um, But I ended up coming back to it because I felt like it was a really good start and I could see myself living here. So I have a one bedroom on both sides Mm. Uh, and I don't have a basement, which is... (laughs) I every time we went to go see a house at the basements would freak me out. It's just okay. I know it's like Asia, you're a homeowner, suck it up, but it would freak me out. So um I like that it didn't have a basement. And it was also a really, really good price point. Mm. Uh, it was something that I knew that I would be comfortable paying if I lost my job mm. um, or if I had no one there to rent the unit. So it was just like a really good start for me. <clears throat> I think I got approved for, I got pre-approved probably for like 400,000, mm. um, but I ended up buying something that was less than 200,000. So, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so- The numbers for me. Talk to me about those two risks though, like mm-hmm. investing in real estate, but you know, God forbid knock on wood, had you lost your job mm-hmm. and investing in real estate. And you know, if your tenants didn't pay or you had struggle, finding attendance yeah um yeah so i am let's see so that's a very those are very very big risks um especially when you just have like one property so if you're like a bigger real estate investor you have multiple properties at least you kind of have like okay i'll probably be getting money from these properties if this one isn't paying or if something happens here um I was pretty secure in my nine to five job. Like I knew nothing was really gonna happen there. And if it did, I kind of had the experience under my belt to, to quickly get something else that would pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that risk factor is big. Um, I think that that's why it was important for me to just be able to cover the mortgage by myself if I had to. And then also I will say that um, having section eight tenants is kind of like recession proof. Yeah. So, uh it's like like even during the pandemic when you know a lot of mom and pop uh landlords were out of their money and there's really nothing that you can do like unless your tenant is backed up like six months rent you can't even especially, i don't know like especially now it doesn't even happen yeah because yeah, especially of COVID. Now. yeah so um i definitely you know would recommend if you do a really really thorough and great screening process section eight is like the way to go um, mm. as well. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back to a time. Um, I think we were texting and you were like, uh, <laughs> you scroll through Zillow, like it's Twitter. <laughs> so like, what does that, <laughs> what, what, what does that kind of mean to you in terms of like, uh, being on the, the hunt or staying in the loop, if you will, um, in terms of, you know, knowing everything real estate. Yeah, I think it was just very telling of how determined I was to get that house. Mm. Like there was nothing else that was more important to me. People are like, oh, you have these because my commute to New York was two hours one way. And people are like, well, what do you do the whole time? Like I listen to podcasts about real estate and I read books about real estate Mm. and scroll through Zillow and look for the house that I want to buy. And like, just I don't know, it's just I guess you really want to get something done. It just kind of like takes over your whole world, which is pretty cool um but yeah but that but that that's a good thing though i, I feel mm-hmm. like you know especially considering like, our generation you know there's a lot of things that you know you could be watching instead like you know just overall toxic stuff but if you're 
you know, on the train, listen to, to real estate stuff. Rolling through Twitter. Yeah. Done. You know, um, <laughs> salute to you. But I, I, I just want to ask that, though, because I know um, kind of naturally as a real estate investor, I'm sure that's like a, you know, a thing where it's like, OK, you know, I got to make sure that I'm, I'm in the loop on a lot of these different things. So yeah. you, you, you mentioned um, a term before um, house hacking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so did you uh, utilize the FHA to, to, to go about all this? Was that your? OK, yep. so if you could um, just kind of state that um, kind of how that helps you or what, what that meant to you to be able to, to, to get that for those that may not know about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so the FHA is basically like a government backed um, mortgage where you're able to put down less than the conventional amount, which is 20% on a home mm-hmm. uh, for your mortgage. And it typically comes with PMI, which is private mortgage insurance, just to kind of, um, that's like insurance because you didn't put down 20% on your home. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do as low as 3.5 for FHA. You can do 5% for FHA. It really kind of depends on what you work out with your lender and what you want to do. Um, and the reason that I use the FHA loan, well, also you have to be, you also, you don't have to be first time home buyer, but you have to live in the property that you get the, the you know, FHA. you know, it's so funny. And I, and I'm, I'm going to send this part to Justin too, because he, he was talking about like, you know, maybe you might not have to technically live. And I'm yeah. like, amen, amen, amen. I'm not. <laughs> hey, don't get nobody in trouble on this podcast, bro. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, was, was, was what they say you have to and what not and have not to do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I'm sorry. I just want to, you know, make sure people are kind of aware of what you have to do according to the law. Yeah. There's loopholes everywhere, but, you know, be yeah. careful. Exactly. Yeah, definitely be careful because it's technically mortgage fraud, which you don't want to be in a jail cell like, yeah, I'm here for mortgage fraud. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but, uh, you know, there are people who just don't live there and they're paying their bills. So the government doesn't really like Justin kind of said, the government doesn't really have a problem with it. Um, But I'm trying to remember where I left off. So, oh yeah, I chose the FHA loan because it just allowed me to put down less on a house. Like I didn't want to have to put down 20%. Like even if I was buying a $100,000 house, that would still be $20,000 just for the down payment. That doesn't include closing costs and everything else that came with it. So it was nice to be able to put down like a a small chunk of change and be able to own an entire home for that. Yeah, and that 3.5% isn't... Mm -hmm. um, related or connected to the closing costs, right? The closing cost is a separate um, number. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so, but I mean, just just to like put it in perspective for people out there, mm-hmm. you know, if a crib is a hundred thou, right? 3.5% mm-hmm. for all my mathematicians out there, 3,500 <laughs> would be the cash. And, and, and the only reason why I say that is because just to really like, so that people can really lock in the, the perspective of all this, right? You know, don't know, don't overthink it in terms of like, man, this crib is a hundred thousand. I might not have it, but you know, three point five percent of that, you know. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No. 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 You're right. Um, especially when you put it like that, because you think like, how often have I had thirty five hundred dollars? Yeah. Yeah. For yeah, for a whole house. Mm. Um, but yeah, when the closing costs come in, I personally recommend to save ten percent of the cost of the house that you're looking for, just for closing costs and just other things that you know, like you're gonna need money for when you move and even if you have to do like some small renovations 
Mm. So were you ever uh, nervous about real estate and, and the whole and the deal as a whole? Because uh, obviously, like I said, you know, the, there's a lot of pros and, and the bright sides of real estate. But was there anything that made you um, possibly or maybe second guess it at all? Oh, yeah. I was nervous the whole time. I was nervous even after I did it. Mm. Even now, I still get nervous. <laughs> right, but I'm sure it's a relief, though, right? Yeah, no, it is a relief. But it's just it's like there's so many things that you just have to learn along the way. Um, like. I guess when I was like searching and in my mind, I wanted a three or four family house, but I was just like nervous to manage like three or four different families. Like mm. online. and also just like people not taking me serious because I'm a young black woman, um, which I still run into that issue today with contractors, with tenants. Um, <clears throat> so those were, yeah. Definitely. So, well, so what made you decide to kind of do majority of this on your own? And the reason why I say this is because some people go the property manager route, um, you know, and just say like, hey, you know what? I'm good on having to deal with all this. Just hire someone. So what, was it just a personal decision? Like you wanted to kind of, you know, just do it on, on your own? Um, yeah. Well, OK, so at UConn, actually, I worked for Cedar Ridge the like townhomes, apartments, Cedar Ridge and carriage house. So I had like a little bit of like the property managing experience under my belt. I wasn't completely foreign to it. Um, and I knew that it was doable. I would watch our property manager and be like, okay, everything she's doing, I've done, can do. Mm. Um, so that was a little comforting that I had that experience. Um, and also just to kind of like save money and learn how to do things on my own. <laughs> like, I want to see how every, I like to know how to do things before I outsource so that when I do outsource, I know if the person is doing mm. their job correctly. True. But is there, um, you know, and, and, and saying that, I think there's a lot of power in knowledge, you know, and education, just the idea of, of, of knowing certain things, right? Like knowing about, you know, the FHA and just knowing how to kind of handle uh, the home and stuff. Um, but what would you say to someone <laughs> who wanted to get involved in real estate, but wasn't like really a hands-on mm -hmm. person? You know, they were more like, you know, just, I have the money. Mm -hmm. Don't know that much about fixing certain things around home. You know, I don't, I don't know how to, you know, fix, fix a, a kitchen sink. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about contractors. Mm -hmm. Someone could be, you know, offering me a crazy price and all I know, hey, that's probably a good thing. Um, so what would you say to someone who said, you know what, you know, I don't have anything except the, the, the money available um, mm -hmm. to get involved in real estate? Mm -hmm. So if, if that person was willing to learn, um, mm -hmm. I would just say that there's like a wealth of knowledge you can ask. Usually you can ask a lot of anyone around you, you know, somebody who's owned a home before and they can help out with those things. But if not, I do recommend the property manager route. Um, property managers make a very small percentage of the revenue that you make on your home. So it could be as low as 5% and it could be as high as like 10%, um, depending on the property manager. So in the grand scheme of things, sometimes property managers are even better because they're really like skilled at what they do. So the money that you may, um, 
like you may be trying to rent at say 1100, but you may have like this great property manager who's able to rent your units out at 1300 or 1400, Mm -hmm. just because they have that skill um, that you don't have. So it's like in the grand scheme of things, you might be making more money with a property manager versus than when you'd be doing it on your own. So it just depends on the person. Yeah. And I, and I would say too, sometimes, you know, you, you pay for convenience. Mm-hmm. You know, I know sometimes people want to um, kind of hold back, which, I'm, which again, I mean, it's all a personal preference, but just thinking it from like a, you know, maybe it's a good thing that, um, you know, you have a property manager and everything like that. Um, but to transition and switch gears a little bit, um, wanted to talk to you uh, on your entrepreneurship route. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, the, the real estate investing side is, is important. I'm, I'm glad it's starting to become, I guess, more and more popular, if you will, right? We, you know, when we talk about um, Black ownership, um, that I mean, that's just important in anything, mm-hmm. um, real estate, stocks, whatever, um, but also on the entrepreneurship side. So if you could talk to us um, about what you got going on on that front. Yeah, so I am... I actually own two businesses right now. Mm. So the first one is a home decor business. It is called Define. Um, <clears throat> I haven't been as active with that business, but that's just because I'm like figuring things out on the logistical distribution front um, for me. And that one I established probably like last summer, last August, I think I launched that store. And then I also have like a small jewelry brand um, that I launched this year. Uh, and definitely this year is definitely going a lot better than last year. (laughs) Um, I think huge thing in entrepreneurship, I think that you talk about on your podcast all the time is failing forward. Mm. Um, definitely failed, uh, at a lot of things with opening a business. And it's also like a beautiful thing to watch the way that I opened the second business because I just I learned so much from um, doing, thing, doing things wrong the first time. Mm. So what, what would you say um, was the biggest lesson that you learned? I mean, you, you mentioned failing forward, but was there like a specific moment that you said, you know, all right, I need to make this adjustment? Yeah. Um, so I'd say the biggest thing is starting small. Mm. Uh, A lot of people want things to be perfect before they start anything, and that is not realistic. Um, So, yeah, I just, I'd say, like, the hardest part of anything is starting, right? But I'd say from, like, a business standpoint, especially when you're, like, doing inventory and selling things, don't be afraid to start with a really, really small quantity um, and just kind of, like, learn how people are going to react to your products and um, go from there. So I'd say that that was the biggest lesson that I learned. I bought way too much stuff the first time around. And um, it was just like a a big inventory mess. Mm -hmm. And then I opened my new store. um, I started with a smaller quantity and I was selling out quicker. And now I'm able to kind of like turn over items faster, bring new items to the store which is good. So what, what would you say um, inspired both of those, those businesses? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say being it, well, being in the pandemic was mm. just like, I had a lot of time on my hands. Um, and it was a beautiful thing because I was just like always working and commuting before where I didn't really have time to do anything. 
Um, and then I remember at one point we were talking and I was actually doing Instacart. And uh, that was good because it was kind of like a side income. But I, I was just like realizing the, the power of having other streams of revenue. Mm. But also by doing Instacart, I realized that like physical labor, mm -mm, not, not my thing. So I think that's why I decided to kind of like open the business. Little did I know selling stuff is still physical labor, but it's, it's a little less. Um, but yeah, I think it was just kind of like wanting more streams of income. I am really like a, like every time I get a new place, I just kind of like ball out decorating, making sure that I'm comfortable. Um, so I thought home decor would be really good for me. Um, and then also like with the jewelry line, you can always catch me in jewelry, um, <laughs> stacked dresses, stacked rings, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned physical labor. And I think the thing with physical labor too is that it controls kind of your time, exactly. you know, and, and doing certain things. Like you have to give up your time in order to really make that money. But I think you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you open up your own store, especially if it's online sales. Right. Like the, the beauty of online is that it can be purchased at any given time. Exactly. Right. Online never closes. Um, mm -hmm. So could you tell us, I guess, the, the, the pros and cons, even though I just said one pro, but the mm -hmm. pros and cons of of having um, an online business? Yeah. Um, so that's definitely a big pro. Um, also, just kind of getting rid of the whole like brick and mortar, like mm -hmm. alleviating a lot of your overhead costs that you would have if you were to open up like a a regular like a physical shop um the cons i would say is still having to in some way shape or form um like lease an office space for inventory uh unless you are kind of like doing a drop shipping method or something like that um and sometimes you can get overwhelmed with with online sales because mm you know, you can, there's really like no limit to how many, how much people can order at once. Um, so that it can be overwhelming, like having to pack and, and ship orders and things like that. But that's, wow, that's actually, I didn't really, you know, think of, think of that in terms of the, it's almost like in a way it's a, obviously it's a good problem to have, right? You know, you got too many sales, but then do you ever think to yourself, damn, too many people order my stuff <laughs> like damn i'm making no. too much money <laughs> is, is that a is, so what you know, i said what's your initial reaction to that is it is it is it happiness or is it like it's hey. usually happiness yep okay okay you that at first yeah and then yeah. it leads into a yeah damn. when you see the sales numbers it's right. happiness but when you see like order to fulfill listed out on yeah mm. then it's all like oh boy i got all night yeah, I, well, you know, I'm definitely not gonna feel bad for you because it's sales, but you know, you 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 handle your business. Um, so so is so when you get a sale, right? Is it done through like Shopify? Mm -hmm. Then like you have to kind of handle your own yourself. I mean, yeah, yep. So it's done through Shopify. Um, and also I use I've used Etsy for my home decor store a little bit, and I also there's this um marketplace that's only for Black owned businesses. It's called Miria. I use that as well. Say the name again, if you don't mind. Um, Miria. So it's M-I-I-R-I-Y-A. Okay. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and that's just, it's like a, it's a marketplace, but it's only black owned businesses, which is mm. pretty cool. Um, and a lot of my sales come through there as well. So. Okay. Then, then that's dope. Then, I mean, when we talk about um, black owned businesses and like I said before, mm-hmm. the idea of, of, of black ownership, um, you know, but what would you say to connect, to kind of connect all of those, right? Mm-hmm. The, the real estate, the two mm-hmm. online businesses, the job, mm-hmm. what's <laughs> like, you know, your overall goal? Like, uh-huh. like, like, like this. Why, why, why are you doing all of this? Because some people, the answer might be obvious. Mm-hmm. I want, I just want to know if you had a, a certain, you know, di- different outlook on any of it. Or you just like being paid. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of it Uh, (laughs) no I think just the importance of having multiple streams of income and just like owning something like I I don't know if you follow Aisha Seldon she's like yeah yeah. she's just like I love her in general but like own some shit basically like that's what she always says and you know that's just important um a lot of things are really about like the long term with me so although I'm like, oh, I'm making sales of my business, it's like, mm, but I want to build this to be something. And the reason why I bought a property is because I want to own a place free and clear. And I have a 30-year mortgage, but hopefully we can make it 15 years with the rental income that's coming in. Um, and, you know, kind of like defining your legacy by you uh, doing you stuff like that and taking care of like like my nieces and my nephews, making sure they have investment accounts when they're like, what, eight and two. And those I already have like up and running for them. And it's just like all about the long-term investing and leaving a legacy. Yeah, I appreciate you for saying the word legacy. Appreciate the book, (laughs) definitely. Um, But no, so so you mentioned the word um, Mm long-term. And I asked this question, you know, we're both young. How do you feel about like short-term flips slash people trying to get rich quick as opposed to um, long-term investing? And for the record, y'all out there, I don't have a problem with either or just, you know, just want mm-hmm. to, to ask your thoughts on that. Because because to me, I say that real estate investing, especially the ownership and rental property, I feel is more of a, a long-term game, right? Like when we talk about FHA, to my knowledge, it's not meant to, you know, flip tomorrow right but if you're young and that's why i want to highlight your story too if you're young you get involved you know the the returns can be can be something special Mm -hmm. yeah so i say that flipping is good um i think it's a really good way to start and kind of keep your momentum um and i mean i guess the cons are really like flipping and getting money quick with real estate is the taxes that come out. But there are like way, so many ways to like avoid that by investing the money that you make into another project, just things like that. But I do think that um, like flips and what I call, what is called the bird strategy. Um, I think that those are really good ways to start. I, you know, sometimes I wish that I had started with the bird strategy so that I could have like kept the momentum versus kind of like taking my chunk of change, putting it in a house and then kind of having to sit on it and build up my money for the next one. 
um, versus if you did something like that, you would be able to pull equity out of a home and keep doing what you wanted to do. Well, you started. So mm-hmm. that, I mean, that, that I think to me, that trumps all of it is the fact that, you know, at least this, like I said, it, it's one of those things where I think it's a good problem to have, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's, you know, it's, and so even going back, and this is the last question before I ask my final, final rap question is when you decided to buy your rental property, right? Cause mm-hmm. I, I'm a big believer in that a large part of financial literacy is based off decision-making, mm-hmm. right? So however much the down payment was, you have to say it on here, of course, but however much it was, did you have a moment where you said, man, I could spend this going on a vacation, but I'm going to spend this on a property instead. Because again, we, we talk in real estate here. This isn't, you know, you bought a t-shirt. <laughs> so that, that's, you know, did you ever have a time where it was like, man, I, I see what I got in my account. Let me go in, you know what I'm saying? Spend it elsewhere as opposed to, uh, starting something, a, a legacy of your own? Um, yeah, I actually did. Cause I, I feel like I actually missed the step. So I did have an apartment um, and I was paying rent. Uh, and it was really, I don't regret that apartment at all because it was a, an amazing location. Like I had so many memories there just because it was like a really good spot um, in a downtown area. But I think kind of like after watching my money fly out the window. <laughs> because of that investment, you mean? Um, no, 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 from rent. Because I, I rented. Oh, from rent. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Gotcha. Finished like buying my house. Yeah. Um, so after that, it was kind of like, I don't think that there's anything better that I can be doing with my money. Like this, I have this, this lump sum of money. Like what else am I going to do with it? Um, so, yeah, I feel like I... Didn't ha- I actually followed through with using that money on other things, but after that, it kind of clicked. Yeah. Well, you got the property now, so now yeah. you can, you know, <laughs> go to, you know, I don't know, Europe or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, the final question that I want to, to leave you with is a question that I ask everyone that comes on the show. Um, how do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered. Um, I just want to be remembered as like a light, right? Like I want to provide quality housing to my tenants. I want to provide quality products to my customers. Um, I want to enhance the lives of the people around me, whether that be financially or just kind of like with my spirit, you know? Mm. Um, so I'd say, yeah, I just kind of want to remember for being a light for people. Oh, I like that as being a life of people. That's that made me get emotional. Um, but yeah, but yeah. Well, I, I, I want to thank you, Adrian, for you know, um, you know, being on the show. I think um, you're definitely an, an inspiration for people that are definitely looking to get into real estate. Um, and to shout out all my black queens in the real estate game, um, and I and I mean that. Um, it, it's definitely important for all of us, you know, in terms of black ownership. You know, it has to continue to be. Um, a thing in, in, in a dialogue and a conversation amongst all of us. Um, you know, and I always tell people, you know, just, just get started um, mm-hmm. wherever that is, you know, wherever you're at in life in terms of education, money-wise, just getting started. Um, failing forward, as you mentioned too, failing forward. Um, so if you wouldn't mind as well, if, if, if you could just uh, drop your socials in terms of your business, your personal, whatever you would like to, you know, promo, plug, all that, all that in for you. 
Yeah. So um, my Instagram is probably the best place to go. So my Instagram is asia.ev and asia is spelled A-S-Y-A um, dot E-V. And if you go there in my bio, I have a link tree with all the links to my businesses. I even have a link to my articles on Throne. Um, so you can go check that, check that out. Wonderful. Y'all heard her. Make sure you go check that out. Um, appreciate you again. Um, you have uh, any uh, any final words? No, I'm just honored to be on your podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I told you it was only a matter of time. You know, like I, said, I think this was a conversation. Very, very important. Very, very, very important one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you um, again, y'all. That wraps up this episode of Defiant Legacy. You already know what time it is. Appreciate you, Asia, for being here. All right, and just like that, y'all, we gone. Peace. <laughs>